Hello, welcome to the post-game wrap. Notre Dame evens the series a 9-1 win tonight over Mississippi State after the Dogs won yesterday 9-8 in game one. And, Charlie, it was all Notre Dame today. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're live in the Bank First Studios here in downtown Startville. And, Charlie, I was walking out of the stadium, coming over here, and I ran into longtime equipment manager Phil Silva. Phil's been around for a long time, 30, 35 years. And you know what Phil said? Well, first of all, are we regulated by the FCC? <laughs> yeah, I think we probably are. Okay, we, well, just because we want to take care of our folks. And Phil says, hey, we got beat offensively, we got beat defensively, we got beat in special teams. I said, Phil, wrong sport. He said, if we had special teams, we'd have got, <laughs> we'd have got beat in special teams. Today, today was one of those days where you just got beat. You got beat in every facet of the game. And I was reminded driving over here, Charlie – these are two top ten teams. Notre Dame's a good baseball team. We're a good baseball team. Today, the game got a little big for us, like it did Notre Dame yesterday. And so now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a winner-take-all tomorrow. Had the flashbacks to Danny Tamayo today. If you don't remember Danny Tamayo, he was the pitcher for Notre Dame that came in in the regional in 2000. And there's boy, We've talked a lot about parallels between this regional and the one back in 2000. But we played them three games there. We won one big. We lost one big. Tamayo shut us down, a 7 to nothing win. And then today, we got shut down. And I thought there were kind of a couple of losses today for Mississippi State. One, you lose it on the scoreboard. Two, you lose it in the sense that you let Tyrell just go deep in a ball game. I said earlier today on our Sunday coffee show, I thought Mississippi State would have a good shot and be favored in a game tomorrow because the idea you thought was that Notre Dame's going to have to use a lot of pitching. They didn't. But Tyrell came up huge for them, and now they're in good shape with pitching going to tomorrow. You know, I really don't know if we should take a micro look at this and go inning by inning. Um, I, I tell you what, I look at the first inning. You had the leadoff triple by Rowdy Jordan, which was outstanding. You had the sacrifice fly with the second batter. That was your only run of the day. Offensively, that was it. Two batters in, that was it. Tyrell, as we talked about in Sunday Coffee this morning, getting ready for this game, what did we say he was? He was a five-inning guy. He's a five-inning guy that gives up three runs. Today he pitched well. I think he pitched to our weaknesses. I think we accentuated him a little bit. I look back at, you know, when you're down 6-1 to one in the fourth inning and then your approach at the plate, you know, you kind of look at, everything from a macro standpoint at that time. Then all of a sudden you start looking. I know you're down 6-1, to one, but you start looking at tomorrow as well. To me, one of the big issues, and you talk about Tyrell able to get so deep in the game, is our offensive approach in the middle innings is what was kind of concerning to me. We went in the seventh inning. When you've got a guy who's out there cruising, and you know overall it's going to be tough to come back today, and what's point number one that we were making in the fourth, fifth inning you have got to get to the bullpen somehow. And a five-pitch inning in the seventh inning on a guy who's gone that deep when you've got to get in the bullpen, that's a bad approach. That's just what it is. That's calling a spade a spade. It's a bad approach. We also didn't take advantage today when we had hitting counts. Went back and looked. I, I said, and what's the classic case? You start talking about baseball, and you can break it down, and you can talk it over. 
and then it sometimes just plays out differently. But I said earlier today on a radio show that the key for Mississippi State was working the count and finding itself in 2-0 counts. And when you get in those counts, take advantage. It just seems like over the years that 2-0 is kind of the action pitch. Everybody talks about 3-1. But there is something about a 2-0 pitch that so many big moments take place on because a guy doesn't want to go 3-0 on you and you're going to get a fastball. Today, we saw a 2-0 count eight times. We were one for six with two walks. Three times when we were ahead 2-0 and in counts, we came back and struck out. That's uh, that's a tough day. Well, one of those was Cameron James late. I'm not picking on Cameron, but, I mean, he fell behind early and then took three in a row. And I don't know what the umpire – I don't know what the strike zone looked like. I was in left field, so I have no idea what the home plate umpire was like. I, I tweeted out about the third – the line drive by Logan Tanner down the third baseline, and everybody could tell it went off the glove of the third baseman, and – Anybody could tell who was right down the line could tell that was a fair ball. And I I understand. I mean, Tony Norris was right there. Evidently, his strike zone was not very good last night. I didn't see it personally, but just by gauging from everybody. And, hey, he's used to umpiring in the Pac-12 or on the West Coast where they play in front of 350 people. He probably didn't hear it click off the ball, click off the glove. But at the end of the day, Umpiring did not kill you in this game. No, you can't all. lose 8-1. No, 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 no. Umpiring didn't kill you in this game. And, hey, that's one error didn't kill you in this game. Even though I look back at, you know, you start looking at the game of baseball. And, Charlie, we say this all the time here about how sequential the game is. We come out and take the early lead. And then in the bottom of the first inning, the walk, the hit batsman. What do we talked about in big games when you have a fine line? especially against a team like Notre Dame, is you can't give free passes. You can't give walks. You can't hit batters. You can't give up errors because then all of a sudden that solo home run becomes the three-run home run. And that's essentially what beats you in this game. It's not umpires. It's not a strike zone. It's just a culmination of a lot of different things. And at the end of the day, you got beat. You got beat. Notre Dame was better than you were today. We were better than Notre Dame in some facets yesterday. They were better than us in every facet today. I'm not going to jump out there with Ron Polk and say that's baseball, but they just beat you. Well, the problem, I guess, that I have with the – and I know you're not taking this position, but with the that's baseball approach to today is, look, just to say it like it is, we, we had some fundamental breakdowns today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, hey, when, when Notre Dame loads the bases up and, and you come back and you get within a pitch away from getting out of the first inning without giving up a run, and then Preisner, who's been so good at the plate this weekend, and he was exceptional at shortstop in the game today, and we knew that coming in. Hits the ball right off the end of the bat. Cue shot, first base side. He beats it out, infield single, run scores, ties the game. Okay, that happens. But to me, we that talk. That is baseball. That is that is baseball. What is not baseball, and we talk about the moment yesterday being a little too big. I thought the moment was a little big for Christian McLeod in the first inning. We talked about that. I mean, this is his first time to go this deep in a season. It is. He's practically a freshman out there in this part of the season. But knowing where your runners are and knowing once you touch that bag and that guy's safe that there's another runner right behind him because he could have made a good throw to the plate and the guy's going to score. 
that was the hesitation, that was the frustration of giving up that base hit. And that's where the mental toughness, a lot of times of guys who have been through the fire and understand the moment, you can't hesitate. That was a mental error. It goes in the book as a physical error, but more than the physical, it was a mental error. Yes. And then we had another spot where I didn't think we made a very fundamentally sound throw trying to make a play at first, kind of sidearm one over there. And those look good on highlight films, but you can't get carried away with it. And But at the end of the day, look, we can call out this play, this play, this play, but there's a bunch of them. There and, and the crazy thing is you take any one of these away, and it doesn't change anything. And the, the concern that you have right now, and I'm going to be positive in a minute, but let me give you the concern that I have oh, yeah. here at Mississippi State. We have had Notre Dame come in here and score 17 runs in two ball games, And we've thrown our best two, three, four arms at them. Yep. Now what you got? Well, now it go, works the other way. Right, absolutely. It works the other way. It does. You know, I don't know what's more concerning. Because nine runs on eight hits. Anytime a team has more runs than hits, to me that means something was given away in there. And there was some there were some runs given away in there today. To me, the issue today was the one run on five hits. And you get to the eighth inning, and that was the only time you had multiple runners on base at the same time. It happened one time, and that was in the eighth inning today. The eighth inning. So what does that spell out for you? That means your eight and nine hole hitters only came to the plate three times. Three times. To me, you knew coming in, and everybody knows this coming in, it's going to be the same thing tomorrow. For you to beat Notre Dame, you are going to have to score seven or eight runs. Yes. They are going to get their runs. Today they probably got about three or four more than they should have. They should have scored five or six runs. That's a six-run ball game for Notre Dame. And then the problem is, and this plays into what we were saying a minute ago, you, you talk about all these things about how we beat us, we do this. The problem is I can't do the converse of that and say, but we should have had five or six. No, 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 we no. didn't do anything. No, we, we got one. Well, I mean, we got one, and that was it. And there was no situation of, yeah, they made a great play on a line drive that you know, probably stopped a, a possible decent-sized inning in the middle innings. Hey, here you go. We stranded six. If you score every one of those guys, you still, you still get beat. And so it was just a really tough day at the plate. But I want to go back to something you said when you walked in the door today. This is hard. It is this hard. This is supposed to be hard. This is big-time baseball. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of sitting here pouting a little bit, and you, you reminded me in a hurry. Look, man, how'd you like to be in Fayetteville right now? Oh, and I'm, by the way, hats off to NC State. Yes. Walking into the second nicest ballpark in the country and pulling that off, that's, that's impressive. Now, that's a shot at South Carolina for you right there. What? That's a shot at South Carolina. It's South Carolina. I always thought South Carolina was the second-best ballpark in the country. Oh, no. Now, now what I was going to say is, and listen, hey, if if you've listened to the first ten minutes of this, you're thinking, hey, Bart and Charlie are negative tonight, and we're wrapped up and we're emotional. Yeah, we're fans. Yeah, absolutely. And if you call us two hours ago, we'd really had to (laughs) make a determination with the FCC. But going back to what what you know, you just brought up, Charlie, about how hard this is. This ain't easy. And we go back to what did we talk about last week about we've gone to five straight Super Regionals and we try to tell all you young whippersnappers out there (laughs) that are in your 20s right now and you don't understand, hey, it's hard. Man, I remember 1984. I remember 1989. 
You know, 1989, we were this year's Arkansas. Yeah, 1992. You know, you're already playing UCLA. I mean, 2003. You got Paul Mahalam. You got Jonathan Papelbon on the mound. The crowd's on its feet. They're going crazy. And this kid named Farrell for North Carolina pops one out of the yard against Jonathan Papelbon. And in seat in North Carolina, happens. it does. It's, it's not easy. It's supposed to be hard. And look, man, I wanted to win it today, but you go back and you start to look at special moments. Tomorrow night could be 1984, it could be <laughs> 1989, or it could be 2000 all over again. Something big could happen. Where do you go? Let, let's. I want to. I want to go. I know we'll break down tomorrow later. But here's what I have one question for you about tomorrow. You know, I think back to 1985 when we had to come back. We had that final game against Michigan. People forget that Michigan beat us. Yes. And we had to come back with Jeff Brantley and Thigpen, and all these guys have the pressure of the greatest team, Palmero, Clark, Thigpen, Brantley. These guys hadn't been to Omaha. And you had to come back in a final game, and I'll never forget, I'm a little kid. And um, it was the night before the game. We had just lost, and I walked down, and I tried to get as small as I could get. Because that's back, you know, you could get right up by the bullpen. Pat McMahon's down there. Jeff Brantley's down there. And he's he's tossing, trying to prove that he can throw tomorrow. And I remember leaving that bullpen and walking out to find my parents to ride home that night. And I looked at everybody and said, we're winning tomorrow. They said, why do you say that? I said, because I just saw Jeff Brantley. 1985, you had Jeff Brantley. My question to you is, if you're Chris Lamonis right now and you're looking around that locker room, where do you go? So, it's interesting. Today, what did Arkansas do? They started cops. What did Ole Miss do? They started Taylor Broadway. I mean, it's almost like we're going we're gonna to try to get as much out of our guys as we possibly can. Now, cops went deep. He you know, shut down a, a very good NC State lineup, and you know, they scored some runs late in the game. That's the thing about it. If you start your closer – and then who are you going to finish it up with? I don't know. I mean, Houston Harding, here's the thing. You, you know you're going to see Houston Harding tomorrow. The question becomes, do you start him? I thought Cops, Kevin Cops today was not clean early and out of the gate. He did a good job of selling in. And I go back to what we've talked about a lot of times, too, Charlie, about your comfort zone. Are you comfortable drawing the start? You know, what are you comfortable with? Is it a situation where you put the ball in the hands of someone and, you know, he's out there warming up when the game starts? just for it to be the same. Baseball guys are creatures of habit. Stone Simmons, do you start Stone Simmons tomorrow? They got all those right-handed power guys. They've hit home runs. To me, Houston Harding, Houston Harding may be a good matchup for Notre Dame because of his changeup. We keep on going back to right-handed, heavy-hitting teams and Houston Harding with that changeup, and that's why he was so good last week with that changeup. All right, so so let me go through with you because – Guys who have started a game for us, still available. Bednar's out. McLeod's out. Next most starts are Fristo. You won't see him start tomorrow. No. Behind him is Harding. We've talked about the idea that it just seems like Harding is better coming out of the bullpen. That may not be the case. Behind him is Sarantola. You won't see him tomorrow. And so Brandon Smith has two. You've already used him. I don't know where you go. I don't think you're going to start Carlisle Kessler tomorrow or Cade Smith. We saw him today. Parker Stinnett had a midweek start. I doubt you see him. Maybe it's uh, maybe you start Harding tomorrow. But I just think it's uh, kind of a big move to give Stone Simmons 
his first start tomorrow. It really is. And once you just spell it out like that, I mean, I may be inclined to go ahead and just say, all right, Houston – we're going to do. We're going to sing the national anthem with you in the bullpen, all right? <laughs> no. And we're going to all we're going to all take the field. We're going to all take the field, and we, I want you to try it in, okay? You know, I've been big all week long about you can't start Houston Harding, and now that we just go through it, I don't know. And I think you may have to. I think you're you not going to start Landon Sims, are you? No, I don't think that's you can. just not who we are, is it? Well, if had you he may see him in the third, yeah, had he not thrown. Had he not thrown? Had it been a Taylor Broadway situation where they're out at Arizona and you hadn't used him? Yeah, I would. I would start Landon Sims tomorrow. But you've already used him. You've already thrown him two innings worth, and so it's not like it's you know he's got the fresh arm and you start him out there and let him go. I don't do that at all. Had he not pitched before? Yeah, absolutely. I'd start him tomorrow. But no, I would. Uh, I might go with Harding. I don't know. I could be talked either way. I could. I could be talked into Stone Simmons drawing the start tomorrow. Or Parker Stinnett drawing the start tomorrow. Parker Stinnett's really good if he throws strikes. If he throws strikes, but in this moment and in that situation, sometimes throwing strikes is a lot harder than that guy who's sitting beside me out there in the outfield in the left field lounge. Throw strikes. He knows every player, and he yells at them like they're right there beside them, but they're 400 feet away, and they're listening to every single word he says but anyway. Well, I had the person today who, when we're down 6-1, to one, is screaming that we have to get McLeod out. And I'm like, no. <laughs> we want to ride this thing out, man. <laughs> we want that song. We want that tongue dragging today. Right. I mean, so we're, of course, in the Bank First studios. Bank First, better way to bank. They've got locations in Mississippi and Alabama. They're great with their mortgage. They're great commercial lending. They're, I mean, they are popping right now. They are a growing bank. And you want to bank with people, if you're getting ready for a big project, if you're in the construction world, you want to bank with somebody that's solid. These guys are solid. Moat Griffin, Marcus Mallory, man, all these guys. They're big in their communities. Think about all those guys in the Jackson market. Think of Johnny Ray down there. You think of Brian Sistrunk in that mortgage department down there in in the Jackson area. John Shapley down in Hattiesburg. Talked about John the other day. I mean, these guys are rock stars. And they get it done in the bank world. So bank first. You look like you were going to say something. You know, you mentioned Marcus Mallory. Marcus Mallory is a big bulldog. And it made me think. I actually got a tweet today from a friend of mine, old college friend, Charles Plunkett. And I remember back when I was in college, or I was in high school, they were in college, sitting up late one night, going into the Duty Noble Field. Don't do this, kids at home. And broadcasting basically an imaginary game, basically. And, you know, the thing that happened in every game we ever did, we were always playing Alabama, and the only guy that ever got to hit was Dave Magadan or Furman Lake. Remember Furman Lake? <laughs> yes, the I do. shortstop. <laughs> uh, those are some – man, you talk about some guys, Marcus Mallory's a guy you can relive some Mississippi State moments with now. No doubt, no doubt. Bank first. We're in the Bank First studios tonight, and Notre Dame knocking off Mississippi State 9-1. to one. Okay, Charlie, let's look back at our let's, – let's do the big plays – First tonight, we've usually been waiting to late to do the big plays of the game. Brought to you by Two Brothers Smoke Meats on University Drive. That's a great I need place a to go. Killer from down there right now. <laughs> what? I think some of those those cheddar fries, man. I'm telling you, ever ever since I had those on Friday, I got you going on those. I'm telling I? you, man. I want to I want to DoorDash those suckers right now, <laughs> like right here. Like bring them to me right now. 
Uh, their tacos are phenomenal. Smoked wings are awesome. You know, we had a interview a, f- a few weeks ago. It was me and Tony Hughes and Zach Arnett. We had these oh, great. had these interviews we did with football coaches, and we went to two brothers. And they asked me, "Hey, are you gonna? What, you know, what do you want to order?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, what the? Are you gonna actually be filming while I'm eating?" And they were like, "Oh yeah." And I was like. <laughs> Bring me some wings and do not film while I'm eating. And they promised me they were not, and they did. And that that kind of bothered me because it's never nice to eat wings. Never pretty, right? Yeah, it's not never, never pretty. But Two Brothers Smoke Wings, they bring you our plays of the day. So, Charlie Winfield, you went first yesterday. I guess I will go with my play of the day first today. Is that what you want me to do? Yeah, go right ahead. I'm going to go with a sequence. I'm going to go with a sequence, and here's my sequence. The sequence is we're down 2-1. to one. We're in the top of the third inning. Lane Forsyth leads off with a single. Lane yeah. Forsyth leads off with a single. And I'm sitting there going, we got the top of the order up. We're down by a run. And then Tyrell proceeds to strike out Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, and Cameron James, all three on the same pitch. Breaking ball down. Yes. I thought we could have turned the lights off. We could have had a thunderstorm come on in, and we could have gone to the house right then. That it had that it had that feel. Did it had that feel of, and not as much for us, but it was almost like that was the shot of adrenaline that Tyrell needed. I just struck out their top three guys in a one-run ball game, and he was different. He was completely different. I mean, we we got him a little bit in the first inning. We hit him a little bit in the second inning. Got that single by Scotty DeBrule. But, man, in that third inning, he had thrown more strikeouts, what, through three, three innings than he had all year. And that right there, to me, changed the game. Boy, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, and, and I think you're right. So, I'm, I'm not even going to play to one-up you on this. I'm just going to look for an honorable mention play of the game here. Honorable mention for me in terms of play of the game is bottom of the fourth inning. You know, Notre Dame had singled. We got a strikeout and then a walk. The walk and the error that followed right there that leads into the three-run home run, that is, to me, that's when it was over. When it went 6-1, to one, forget it, we're done. We, you, If you're down 3-1, to one, we've got that feeling from yesterday. We've been there. Yeah. You can put something, you can get a bloop and a blast and tie the thing up. When they went up 6-1, the way we were swinging the bats, you just didn't see a path to being able to come back and win. So for me, the my sequence, the error, and then the home run. Well, you got Preisner, who they batted in the sixth spot in the order today, by the way. Yeah, and then you got the strikeout of him. But I, I tell you what, when you got that leadoff walk by a leadoff single by Putts, who hit it hard, you know, past the, the shortstop into left field. I thought the walk to Brannigan, man, it was huge. And yeah. in, that, in that sequence, and I think that was the sequence, Charlie. I think the Brannigan at bat was the one where I sent you the text. Stand by. Yes, you think about little parts of a game. All right, it's 2-2. We got 2-2 to Brannigan. You got a runner at first and you got one out. All right, Brannigan batting down in that order, and you had two big misses back-to-back. What's the thing that drives pitching coaches crazy? It's not about guys just missing, but it's big misses. And on the 2-2, he tried to go high with a fastball, and he left it way, way, way high. And you don't even challenge the batter. And then you come back with a breaking ball that you spin off at 59 feet on a 3-2 pitch. 
to me, that was a complete free. You may have, you might as well had just put him on base on an intentional walk because you didn't give him anything to even think about swinging at. To me, that was a huge at bat. And then all of a sudden, you got the sack, bunt, the error, and then the home run. LaManna hit that three-run home run. Putting guys on base with a free pass is so big. But I just thought, man, I'll tell you what, that, that was just a – that was a bad walk. Sometimes they're decent walks. Sometimes they're bad walks. I thought that was a bad walk. Sorry to jump in on your play of the game. No, I think it all just adds to it. I'd say this, Notre Dame defended the field well today. They were a much better team defensively than they were yesterday. Second baseman, whew, that ball, that play he made on Kellum Clark's That's big line time. drive. Absolutely. That's big time. You delete your text, don't you? Oh, no, screenshot. <sighs> okay. And that's our play of the games, plays of the game, brought to you by Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive. They have done a great job building that brand in the Cotton District. They've got that. Love the new space, by the oh, way. Oh, it's awesome, man. you got the front porch out there. Then you've got the, the balcony up top. It's a great place to sit and just watch everybody walk through the Cotton District. It's not as good as the people watching in the Atlanta airport, but it's, it's pretty good. People watching, sitting right there at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. All right, Charlie, nine to one. The final Notre Dame knocks off Mississippi State. Tyrell improves to five and one on the season. Christian McLeod falls to six and five. And it's time now to take a look at our stats. Brought to you by Maroon and White Realty. Maroon and White Realty, right here in Startville. They've got their nose to the ground. Know everything about what's going on in the real estate world and. If you're into property management, if you want to buy a bunch of condos, looking for somebody to run it for you, well, they do that great job there at Maroon and White Realty, or they can just find you a condo. They can find somewhere for your kids to live, or if you're looking to work remotely, hey, in today's world, you can live pretty much wherever you want to. If you can work from home, move to Startville. Come out and hang out with me and Charlie. Not really, but, I mean, just move to Startville. It's great. We enjoy it up here. So, Check out Maroon and White Realty, Sterling Dahl, and those guys on Star Avenue in Starkville. They'll get you hooked up with anything you need in the real estate market. Well, first and foremost, offensively, we had five guys who had one hit today. We didn't have a single player that had multiple hits. Rowdy Jordan was one for four, had that triple. Cameron James was one for three. Scotty DeBrule, one for three. Brad Cumbus was one for four. And Lane Forsyth was one for two. So five guys had hits in the game. That was it. Christian McLeod went five innings, gave up seven runs, six earned on five hits. He struck out seven. He walked two. He threw 85 pitches, 53 strikes, got four flyouts, four groundouts, and his ERA now at 4.24. Brandon Smith comes in and pitches two innings of work, gives up two runs, both earned on three hits, one strikeout, one walk, threw 29 pitches, 21 strikes. And how about Cade Smith coming in to pitch the bottom of the eighth inning? One clean inning. No runs, no hits. One strikeout. He threw five pitches, a couple of flyouts, and a nice outing for the freshman Cade Smith. And so when you look at line totals in the game, Notre Dame, as we talked about, nine runs on eight hits. They commit one error and leave four on the bases. State one run, five hits. That's all we got. Five hits. Two errors. And they left six. We left six on the basis. When you look at Notre Dame offensively, Preisner again. He had three hits yesterday, went three for four today. A couple of RBIs in the game. Shortstop batting up in the sixth spot in the order today after batting in the nine hole yesterday. He was the only Notre Dame player with multiple hits. 
Cole had a hit. Cavadas was one for three. Putts was one for four. Brannigan was one for three. Lamana was one for four. Had the big three-run home run. And so looking through their order, you had Preisner in that six spot really put things together. And then the, the stat of the game, without doubt, Tyrell on the mound, seven and a third of work, one run, five hits, six strikeouts, three walks, eight flyouts, seven groundouts. He threw 103 pitches, 66 strikes, and now a 2.7 earn run average. We said we would see Rayo sometime either today or tomorrow. The right-hander came in an inning and two-thirds. We didn't touch him. No runs, no hits, one strikeout, one walk. He threw 21 pitches and just nine strikes and worked a clean five outs. And so the winner is Tyrell. No save in the game. And that's a look at our stats brought to you by Maroon and White Realty on Star Avenue in Starkville. Question. Yes, sir. I want to go back to some of the stats you just shared, and I, I want your input. Okay. I need you to educate me here. All right. All right. So, Cade Smith, why are you throw him in the ninth? Now, I'll give you my theory that I have come up with, and that is that Brandon Smith was sitting at 29 pitches, and you want to be able to use him tomorrow, maybe? Can you give me a different reason as to why Cade Smith throws the ninth inning tomorrow? Today, may need him tomorrow. I think you bring him in in – one inning of work, knowing that you can bring him in tomorrow. Nothing's high leverage today. You get him used to pitching in front of a big crowd, and then tomorrow if you have to bring him in in high leverage, it won't be the first time he's towed the rubber in front of a huge crowd. Okay, I'll, buy, I'll play along. Boy, I made that up on the fly. Uh, well, you did a good job. <laughs> you did a good job. I, I, he only threw five pitches. He did, he did. But you don't know when you throw him out there he's going to throw five pitches. That's right. So I'm fine with it. I'm fine with Kate Smith. Do you start him? <laughs> well, I don't know. What are you doing tomorrow at 6? Uh, I know. I know. Hey, here's the thing. Um, you know, looking back and, and going back at this, and I know Charlie and I, and sometimes we, we get a little carried away, and, you know, you may think we're being a little bit negative. We're just kind of talking from the heart a little bit. We're just kind of opening up. I feel better right now. I feel like it's kind of an open-air counseling session. So, Charlie, hey, these two teams, State Notre Dame, 21 years ago, we talked about it all last week, about just how much drama there was. We've talked with our friend Pete LaFleur, who was the SID at Notre Dame at the time, and we were talking about so many similarities between how both these teams really had big-name guys. And you had Steve Stanley and Paul O'Toole on those Notre Dame teams. And you kind of wonder, you kind of wonder tomorrow when you come to the ballpark, when you look at Preisner, when you look at you know, Rowdy Jordan, you look at Tanner Allen, you kind of wonder. We're going to be talking about somebody. Ten yeah. years from now, we're going to be talking about somebody. And yeah. you wonder who that somebody's going to be. And you hope he didn't start at first base for the Red Sox <laughs> a few years after playing here. Um, yeah, so as I look at this Notre Dame team, uh, I've got a few observations. And you tell me if you think that I'm wrong, and I know you will. Number one, this is a mentally tough group of guys. They bounced back pretty well today after having a really tough day yesterday. They're veterans. How, what have we talked about all season long? I think when you have veteran teams this time of year, I think you just can't undersell it. And I think they're a veteran team. They look like a veteran team today. They they look like a team that got sped up yesterday, but today they look like a team that says, okay, hey, we went in there, 14,000, we let it bother us. Hey, they can't kill us. They're not coming at us with hatchets. 
So let's settle down. Let's play baseball. That's what they look like today. They're a well-coached team. I think Link Jarrett has a good, steady influence on the team. Mississippi State's a well-coached team. This isn't this isn't a comparison. No. This is measuring Notre Dame against what people thought. We did nothing today to make me question anything coaching-wise. No. No, 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 no. This wasn't about coaching. No. Um, you put your best lineup out there, and it didn't work. You know? You, you it threw, got beat. Yeah. They beat one of your best guys. Um, but I think this Notre Dame team is really good. I thought Notre Dame coming down here was going to be good. I did not give a ton of credence to the ACC, but let's look around. NC State's taken out Arkansas. This Vir- team Virginia has played well, man. And and so sometimes we kind of live in our SEC bubble a little bit. I think Mississippi State is poised to win this thing. It's supposed to be hard. You've got one game. you got it on your home field. You've got the crowd. You've got all these things ought to be going for you. I think it's going to take Mississippi State doing something big to get that crowd going. They got shut up today. This team and this program has not lost back-to-back games. I'm talking about Notre Dame in, what, three years? I'm talking about back-to-back games in the game of baseball. This ain't football. I'm talking about you play 50 games a year. I mean, they have not been beaten back-to-back games in a while. So we said coming into today, we said it on Sunday Coffee this morning, and, hey, we've put out a bunch of content in the last week. It's been a lot of fun, to be honest with you. It's been great. It's been great for all you people who have tweeted us and texted us and seen us at the ballpark. We love it. But what have we said? You've brought it up. I could have swore you said yesterday that you would favor Notre Dame today and then you would favor us tomorrow. I promise you I thought you said that. You probably did not. Then you came in this morning and said, hey, I give Mississippi State the slight advantage today. I try to call you out on it. You say, no, Bart, you're putting words in my mouth. And then you said, I feel better about us tomorrow. Now, having said that, I'm going to go with what you said yesterday, that you thought Notre Dame would be favored today. I kind of saw that, to be honest with you. But then you said Mississippi State would have the big advantage on Monday. It just seems like Tyrell moved the needle today. Big back, time. Back to a toss-up. It's almost like a toss-up right now. Big time. In fact, I was thinking about that on my way over here from the ballpark. And the entire time I was thinking, I have now said multiple times that Mississippi State's biggest advantage, that they will be most favored in the Monday ball game if we get there. I was not anticipating what we saw on the mound today from Notre Dame. And the guy just didn't beat himself. He just didn't beat himself. He wasn't great, but we just couldn't square it up. And He was good enough. Pitched, yeah, pitched ahead for the <laughs> most part. But I, when I say he wasn't great, and I guess that's the thing, I fall victim to it too. A lot of times you look out there, we have fallen so in love with the radar gun. Yes. And so we get – this idea that a guy who's not throwing 95 can't be that good. And so you see a guy spinning balls up there at 79, and you think, why aren't we hitting this guy? What we saw today was a guy who pitched. Ten years from now, the year 2031, when they get together in South Bend, Indiana, for the 10-year reunion for this team, all these guys will be talking about, y'all remember the night that Tyrell shoved it upstate? Yeah. And Prizner, man, Prizner, you didn't hit anything all year long. Yeah, man, what it got into you? <laughs> hey. So, Six hits so far on the weekend. Not to get sentimental, but hey, maybe in 2031, here in Starkville, they'll be talking to Tanner Allen or Scotty DeBrule or Logan Tanner about something big we happen tomorrow. So, hey, got another one tomorrow. At least you got one more. Got one more game. That's all that matters. I'm just not ready to put the bats up yet. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So, 
hey, Charlie, enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow night after the game. Appreciate you guys listening to our post-game wrap. And once again, thanks to our great friends at Bank First, Maroon and White Realty, and Two Brothers Smoked Meats here in Startwell for allowing us to bring you the post-game wrap. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us.